This is the story of writing for October 7th, 2023. On this day in 1763, England's King George III said American colonists could not settle indigenous land west of the Appalachian Range. The king's position was outlined in that year's royal proclamation, and the line on the map was one of the first significant disputes between the colonists and the king. The line ran from what is now southern Georgia to Maine, often following the current Appalachian Trail. Though the proclamation rankled colonists, it has been and continues to be of value to the indigenous or First Nations people of Canada because it was the first legal recognition of Aboriginal title. That's a legal term for indigenous people's land rights, even after sovereignty of that land has been claimed after invasion or conquest by another power. And it was on this day in 1940 that the McCullum Memo was issued, Written by U.S. Naval Officer Arthur McCollum, the document outlined a plan for the U.S. to limit Japan's ability to wage war in the Pacific. It recommended assisting Allied powers, the U.K., the Netherlands, and China. The memo also called for a complete embargo of trade between the U.S. and Japan. This kind of document is fairly common within the military and among intelligence operatives. The McCollum memo, though, is believed to be proof that U.S. President Franklin D. Roosevelt was actively trying to lure the Japanese to attack the U.S. so that the U.S. could declare war against the Axis powers in World War II. This is largely because after McCollum's eight action items, the memo includes the sentence, quote, If by these means Japan could be led to commit an overt act of war, so much the better. Many, many books have been written in the attempt to describe how U.S. naval intelligence conspired with President Roosevelt to allow or even provoke the Japanese attack on the fleet of U.S. warships and sailors at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. To date, none have been accurate, according to historians. On October 7, 1963, U.S. President John F. Kennedy signed the Partial Nuclear Test Ban Treaty. The agreement prohibited testing nuclear weapons by detonating them in the atmosphere or underwater, limiting these tests to underground. The partial nuclear test ban would have been made redundant by the 1996 Comprehensive Nuclear Test Ban, which prohibits detonating nuclear weapons for testing or military purposes. However, eight nations have not signed the Comprehensive Ban. China, Egypt, India, Iran, Israel, Pakistan, North Korea, and the United States. It is the birthday of the woman who stared down the northernmost raid of Confederate soldiers in the U.S. Civil War. Anne Eliza Smith was born on this day in 1819. She was an author best known for her three novels, Ceola, Selma, and Atla. Smith was also the wife of Vermont's governor, whose house was the target of a small group of Confederate soldiers who raided the Vermont town of St. Albans. The soldiers had already robbed banks and other targets in the town before reaching Smith's house. The governor was not home, but Smith grabbed the only weapon she could find, an unloaded pistol, and opened her door to brandish the gun. The raiders moved on to other targets, but Smith gathered a posse to chase them down. The rebels reached the Canadian border, though, and slipped away from Smith's posse. And it is the birthday in 1849 of U.S. poet James Whitcomb Riley, he wrote more than a thousand poems, including Raggedy Man, which inspired the Raggedy Ann doll. It is also the birthday of the woman who wrote, What the future held for her, she didn't know. Of two things only, she was certain. There would be children, her own or other people's, 
and there would be books. The writer Alice Dugleish was born on this day in 1893. She wrote more than 40 books, mostly historic fiction and mostly for children. Dugleish was also the founding editor of Scribner & Sons Children's Book Division. And it is the birthday of the woman who wrote, Racial caste systems do not require racial hostility or overt bigotry to thrive. They need only racial indifference. Law professor, activist, and writer Michelle Alexander was born on this day in 1967. She is best known for her book, The New Jim Crow, Mass Incarceration in the Age of Colorblindness, and her work as an opinion columnist for the New York Times. Today's reading is the poem, A Good Man, written by James Whitcomb Riley and published in 1888. A good man never dies. In worthy deed and prayer and helpful hands and honest eyes, if smiles or tears be there. Who lives for you and me lives for the world. He tries to help. He lives eternally. A good man never dies. Who lives to bravely take his share of toil and stress and for his weaker fellow's sake makes every burden less. He may at last seem worn, lie fallen, hands and eyes folded, yet though we mourn, a good man never dies. And that is the story of writing for October 7th. Thanks for listening.